What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Rugby Player Podcast. I'm your host, Harry Benno. This week's episode, we speak to Paddy Ryan from the Sanix Blues and San Diego Legion. Paddy is currently back home in Australia during the uh, social distancing and the quarantine that's going on with coronavirus, but um, it was awesome to catch up with him and hear his story and how things have been going over in Japan. Hope you enjoy the episode. Paddy, how are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Not too bad. What are you up to this morning? Mate, not much. Just got up. Bit of a cough. Walk the dogs. I'm at home in Tamworth, so... Oh, you're up in Tamworth, are you? Yeah. Oh, nice. I'm out of Sydney. I was in Sydney where my girlfriend lives, but it's, uh, yeah, man, it's like the epicentre of uh, what's going on over here, so I got out of there. Yeah, fair enough. How's your day, mate? Happy birthday. Thank I'm you. I'm online. Yeah. Mate, You're not 30, are you? I am. It's a joke. Fuck, mate. That makes me feel old. It's ridiculous. I always thought you were a young bloke. Yeah. Well, I thought I, I thought that too, but... <laughs> Fuck. Uh, <laughs> mate, well, how's, mate. Ta- how's Tamworth? Uh, well, I haven't seen much of it because we're in lockdown officially in New South Wales. Yeah. So I'm going to the post office today because that's an essential job that I need to do. Yeah. Other than that, I've had five days of just being home. I picked up some gym equipment, so that's okay. all I've done. Yeah, I think that's but, uh, priority one mate, for it, anyone. Yeah. Well, mate, it was a stitch up. The only thing left at this gym that I use in town when I go here, run by a friend of mine, um, was a fucking assault bike and a erg. Exactly what worst, you wanted. Oh, the two worst pieces of equipment ever invented. Oh, that's too uh, good. Yeah, mate. It, uh, but yeah, how are things over there? Because a couple of my mates have been been crook. You, you haven't caught it. No, we've. I've been pretty responsible in the sense of just haven't been going out. But um, it's it's kind of weird. Like if you're not putting on the TV and and seeing the news, it sort of just feels like a pretty lazy day in New York. And then you turn the fucking TV on, it's absolutely hectic. Like yeah, they just said yesterday that they've put up like these war sort of marquee tents in Grand Cent- like in Central Park um, for Overflow Hospital. Holy shit. Like, it's full-on carnage. So. Yeah. And it's only going to get worse. So they've just told us we've got another month of this shit indoors. Wow. So, mate, if you're up for a chat, we might make this a weekly thing. <laughs> <laughs> mate, you'll have... Uh... You'll have everyone done. You'll have you'll have worked your whole you work worked your way through the whole professional footy circuit. Yeah, I think so. Well, everyone's gone into fucking hiatus. It's been pretty challenging to get hold of everyone. But oh, really? Yeah. Nah, all good though, mate. Um, let's let's jump into it before we fucking bore the death out of our audience here. But mate, um, obviously speaking to Paddy Ryan, um, an old teammate from a long, long time ago. But mate, I might throw over to you to. Just do a quick introduction, a bit of a background on your playing career. Uh, yeah, cheers, mate. I'm, uh, yeah, I played uh, played at the Waratahs um, from 2009-2010. I think we're in the academy together. I was there for just about 10 years. Probably eight of those years I was playing in the in Super Rugby in the top squad. Um, uh, then from there I came over to – I went to Japan for a little stint um, – at the end of 2018, and then came and played in the MLR, where I played against you a couple of times. And then I've just been back in Japan for the last kind of year. 
um, year or so. Uh, not playing much footy, unfortunately, this year because of the coronavirus. But uh, yeah, and then as well as that, I played a couple of games for the Wallabies um, and a couple of games for Australia A and um, a fair bit of yeah, just a fair bit of footy in Australia before, before sort of venturing overseas, which has been great. So yeah, had a, been very fortunate in the career that I've had so far. Um, getting a bit long in the tooth, but uh, pretty keen to hang to hang in there. I'm, I'm really really enjoying my footy still, mate. That's awesome. Obviously, over a hundred caps for the Waratahs, and then a few stints overseas. Most recently, now with um, Sanix Blues in Japan. How you been enjoying your time over in Japan? Yeah, mate, it's great. I'm. Uh, I really, I really, I really like it. It's very different. Um, so the structure of the competition for people that don't know in Japan is that you actually play for a company, not so much a geographical location. So rather than playing for a New York or a San Diego or a you know a New South Wales Waratahs or whatever the team is, you play for a company. So I play against um, well, Panasonic has got you know guys like David Pocock and Sam Whitelock and there's a Toyota team with Kieran Reid in it and um, Kubota, which is a big tractor company where Bernard Foley plays. So they're the kind of teams you're playing against. Sanix is a, um, we're like an energy company. Um, So we do mainly renewable energy. Um, So solar panels and stuff and then also pest control. So we're quite a small company. So therefore our budget's a little bit smaller. And then, yeah, there's no salary cap or anything like that. It's like a, an expression of um, sort of how strong you are as to the kind of players you get. So I think if you look at a team like Suntry or something like that, um, you've got guys like Matt Gido and Sean McMahon and Samu Karebi, and that sort of makes the company proud and they tend to be a better side. Um, and then you get, yeah, teams at the other end of the spectrum as well. So it's, it's a pretty different kind of setup. Um, the town I live in, there's no English really spoken. Uh, it's a 50,000 people town, about 45 minute drive from a 1 million person town. So yeah, it's, it's, it's different, mate, but I was ready for, I was ready for saying different after being at the Tars for a while. So yeah, it's been really good. How's the language barrier? <laughs> oh, look, I try my hardest, yeah. but even, even saying what is perhaps close to the proper word in Japanese locals can struggle to understand because of uh, the thickness of my Australian twang. Yeah. Um, it can be a bit of a battle, but uh, look, mate, it's, it's, uh, it's fun. It's, it's something different. Um, it's getting, it's getting a little bit better. It's getting a little bit better after being there almost a year. Yeah. This is your second stint with them as well. Yeah. 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 So I did a little, yeah. Did a little, uh, a two, two month stint at the end of 2018 after the super rugby season. Mate, that's awesome. So, yes. And what do you what do you think mm. of the food over there? I rate the Japanese food pretty highly, if I'm honest. Yeah, mate, unreal. Um, yeah, it's not all. It's actually sushi's quite like that's a bit of a treat over there. But the other stuff they make, you know, they do a lot of really good meat. Um, they have quite a lot of uh, you know like nice salads and stuff like that as well. Um, a few little things that are different to uh, different to Australia. Um, there's no no real cafe culture. That's a struggle. Um, yeah. So there's no avocado on toast, mate. <laughs> so is, is there a but, market uh, for it then? Well, there's a, there's a Bills. So Bill Granger. I don't know if there's Bills in New York. But there's a Bills in Sydney. And he's also in in Japan. And they love it. Yeah, right. The Japanese love it. So, um, 
yeah, there might be a market, but it'd be a tough one to crack. You know, the tough one to crack in the town I'm in. Um, not backwards would be a hard word, but slow to come forward wouldn't be too far off the mark. I don't. Fair think. enough. Yeah. Happy with what you got, mate. I think one of the yeah. other misconceptions, or maybe you can share some truth into this, but obviously, as you said, the clubs over there are companies rather than um, geographical locations, but. There's no truth to any of you boys throwing on the white lab coat and jumping in the factory and doing any of that stuff. You're purely there to play rugby. Well, mate, it's not too far off the mark. Really? Because not lo- not long ago, guys had to do that. Yeah, so I was um, I was fortunate. I caught up with Nathan Gray. He used to coach, well, obviously, an amazing player with yeah. an incredible career, but he also used to coach me at the Waratahs. He's now coaching the Sunwolves. And they had a game down where I live in Japan. And he'd actually played in um, the city right near me, which is called Fukuoka, which a few, the US actually played there for a game in the World Cup. Okay. So a few of the boys, a few of the boys came down. Anyway, he was saying that when he first came over, and it would have been two thousand and six or two thousand and seven, he worked for a company called Cuden, who were also in nuclear energy in Fukuoka, and he um, he had to sit at a desk for six hours, five days a week, and he sat there with a what was called his personal assistant, but she was essentially his translator and Japanese teacher. And he would just do, you know, kill a few hours doing nothing, like literally sitting in the desk before you could play whatever on your phone. Um, it's 2006. So you could probably play Snake or Snake 2. And then he's got his, uh, yeah, his, his uh, Japanese teacher sitting next to him. And that was what, that was how he did it. So At a that's how the guys energy is. plant. Yeah, that's fucked up. Well, not the plan. Not the plan. It would have been at like the head office, right? I think, I think, but I could be wrong. So yeah, so the guys that sort of pioneered the way for the rest of us, you know, now there's twelve or thirteen foreigners in a in a squad. Um, but the guys who sort of started started it all, they 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 used to have to do that. They would have to sit at desks or, um, yeah, just kill time during the day. And a lot of teams are still based like that. So I know that NTT Docomo. You know, a big percentage of their players still work in the company. Um, but, yeah, it's changing. So, Japanese guys now have the choice where they can either play <clears> – <throat> they can play professionally. Yeah. Um, but once they go professional, they don't have a job after rugby. So, they can stay okay. as a company worker and they have the security of having a job for life. And although they may not be paid appropriately for how good they are at rugby whilst they're playing rugby, they will eventually. Yeah, they've got that security. Know, it'll eventually even out. Yeah, sorry about the dog. No, nah, mate. It's it's actually it. nice to hear the lorikeets in the background as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good to be home. Good to be home, <laughs> um, mate. And is that um opportunity afforded to any of the um international players if they wanted to stick around after rugby, or it's basically just once you boost. Uh, I wouldn't imagine so. I, I wouldn't imagine so. Yeah, the Japanese. Are, uh, yeah, they're very loyal and very proud and good to, and good to us as foreigners. But um, you know, at the end of the day, they're Japanese and they would want Japanese working in the company. So I haven't heard of that. Heard, haven't heard of a case like that. Yeah, right. Um, and I'd be surprised if they did do it. But you know, how the crowds been? Sure. Mate, really good. So I think there was a there was a bump of was it a hundred percent up on last first round last year this year maybe or fifty percent. It was a huge jump. So we had last year when I was uh, – sorry, two years ago when I was playing for Sonics, uh, the biggest crowd we would have had would have been three or 4,000, maybe not even that. Maybe that was an exaggerated figures, but no one 
filling out the grounds, but our home grounds are 15,000 seater. And they, we had 10,000 at the first game. We've had a couple of 7,000, 8,000s. Um, the top of the table clash between Kobe and um, Suntory had 35,000, 40,000. Oh, wow. Um, so this is all off the back of the World yeah. Cup. And then there was the college. Um, so collegiate rugby is quite big over there. That's kind of the breeding ground for the, where the Japanese players are picked up from. Okay. And um, yeah, the final of that had, they packed out Yokohama Stadium, which is where the final of the Rugby World Cup was. And so they had 60,000 there. At a college so game? At a college, the college final. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. So mate, it's on, it's definitely on the up, you know, it's, and it's, uh, the country was so proud of how their team performed, as they should have yeah. been, how their team performed at the World Cup. Literally, moved, we watched them move from being tier two to tier one. Um, it was an amazing progression. So, I wonder if we'll uh, see. Yeah, so. I wonder if we'll see like more uni students going over there at the college level to see if they can crack it and become eligible in that way. <clears throat> Matt, it's actually quite a big thing. Like they pull guys straight out of the islands. There's a real link between Tonga and Japan. Like the language is quite. Uh, I think it's quite easy for Tongan, uh, Tongan people to pick up the Japanese language. So, okay. Uh, yeah, there's there's a fair bit of that already. There's a guy playing, I don't know his name, but I've watched him play a couple of games, playing number eight for Suntory this year. And he's an absolute beast. He'd be, be 120 kilos, wrecking ball, not an ounce of fat on him. And he's fluent in Japanese. Um, yeah, he's been had four years at university over here, over there in Japan and, yeah, doing really well, playing really well, and you know there'd be no doubt he'd be he'd be on Jamie Joseph's radar yeah. um, to play international level, and he's just an example of it. There's plenty of those guys around. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I have to tackle him. I don't get to play with a guy like him just yet. But Senex would be looking for those blokes as well. Yeah, I mean they're certainly doing it right, those guys. So <clears throat> fuck everyone else should be paying attention big time. Yeah, it's impressive what they do and how they you know, and in a, in an age where Essentially, recruitment for your national team and getting guys qualified is actually a part. Should be is, is essentially part of your programming. They're, they're guys that do it that do it really well. Do you see yourself staying there for a couple of years? Uh, yeah, I'd like yeah, I'd like to stay. Yeah, Matt, I, I really like I really like where I am. I'm very fortunate. There's a great group group of uh, of foreigners at the club. Um, really good Japanese guys. The staff are great. We're essentially um, well, there's a lot of guys from Otago and the Highlanders uh, in the team. Um, for people that know their Super Rugby group, guys like Dan Pryor and Jason Emery and um, Khan Heesquith, and then the, uh, a lot of our coaches are uh, from down south of New Zealand as well. And they're really good guys, laid back, good good people. The Kiwis, you know, you don't like them so much when you're in Australia, but uh, as soon as you get to a place like Japan, you realise that they're not too dissimilar to us. Just a little. A little bit more laid back, um, so yeah, it's good to have. It's good to have such good blokes at the club. Mate, that's awesome. Uh, well, let's yeah. um, let's take things back a notch. Waratahs Academy, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, probably when the first time mm. I met you, started playing with you. Um, I don't know if you can remember that that far, but um, I always remember my first training session coming up with the top squad and we did like a 15 on 15 with full squad guys and academy guys thrown into the mix and I think I was playing 10 on your team and like in the huddle I remember you just coming up and like slapping me on the back and saying mate run the fucking show 
and I think I got winded from it immediately. Like, I couldn't <laughs> speak for the next 10 minutes. Uh, here you go, mate. Run the show, but I'll stop you from being able to talk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you coming in, mate. You were, uh, which is why I can't believe you're 30 because uh, <clears throat> you came in with the, you know, with the Goldilocks and the and the uh, and the baby face. Yeah, but... um, and, and a lot of raps, a lot of raps on you coming out of school. You played a couple of years of schoolboys and stuff from memory. Is that yeah, right? yeah, a lot of raps for you coming out of the King's School. So yeah, I remember, I remember that, mate. I'm actually, I've had another blast from the past recently. I'm not sure if you can remember. There's a guy called Tim Bennett's yeah, yeah. Um, who I'm playing with in Japan. He's Japanese qualified now. So he, rather than play for the Tars after that, he went over to Japan and played for a team called Canon, which everyone would know, obviously, because of the princes and the photos and yep. stuff, uh, cameras. Um, so, yeah, he's been there for ages. He's actually played, I think he's played half a dozen games for Japan, been to the 2011. No, it would have been the 2015 World Cup. So... So, yeah, mate, been uh, hanging out a lot with Timmy over there, which has been great. He's a great bloke. And, uh, yeah, he was playing in that team as well. Yeah, so. that's it's funny. Timmy was um, – he came up with me during the age groups and there's one letter that's different in our name and that's the S at the end of his name. But everyone thought we were related in some way all the way up and <laughs> completely not. <laughs> well, mate, they clearly, they clearly haven't looked yeah, at exactly. you. You've got a here. Timmy's half Filipino. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, mate, one of the other things, obviously, I remember from the TARS days, and I think just those training sessions and the clashes on the field between yourself and Tommy Carter or Lockie McCaffrey and just sort of that niggle and banter that we've seen on the field ever since. Is that something that you pride yourself on or you sort of just fight in the firing line uh, during those days at the TARS? No, well, I mean, I don't think you can't share a field with a guy like Tom Carter and not participate exactly. in a little in an element of niggle or banter. Uh, that's just who he is. He, you know, he lives. I've never seen a guy be so successfully fueled by so much hate. <laughs> um, you know, he's had such a great career, but he just loved to niggle. Um, I think it's kind of. Uh, I think it's a just an. I think it's an Australian thing to an element, and I think. To a degree, there's just certain Australians, you know, we see it particularly until maybe a couple of years ago with our cricket team, it was a big part yeah. of it. Uh, but I think as Aussies in general, we we like the idea of a chat. And, mate, having played against um, a few Irish guys in the MLR, uh, particularly with New York, guys like um, Dylan Forsyth. You, wa- you walked straight Rocking. into it. I didn't even have to lead you there. Yeah, I think I think you can kind of see where Australia picked it up from. You know, we we kind of like that little underdog thing that the Irish have carried around for you know centuries or millennia. Um, Australia, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Irish in, in in Australian heritage, and particularly in mine. And I think that's just probably where it comes from. It's probably a hereditary thing to a degree. But mate, there's nothing better than getting on the field in Japan or in America now, um, being surrounded by blokes with, from different cultures. And then you just hear, and you know, some Aussie accent. You hear yourself being called the sea bomb, or you know, you fucking fat. Like it makes you feel like it does. And uh, and and yeah, I, I, it's not something I ever consider or think about going into a game. Or you know, I'm going to have to say this to Harry or whatever. But it's certainly something that I like doing in the game. Yeah. Um, no, it's just it's yeah, been it's, it's been fun. funny over the last couple of years in the MLR. 
those types of personalities, obviously yourself included and Butcher, um, guys aren't used to it yet, I don't think. And particularly the domestic players over here that haven't probably seen enough of that. Like, obviously you see and hear a bunch of like shit talk in like American sports, which is like they take personally. But it, rather than just being yeah. like friendly fire and having to laugh afterwards, it's it's been good to see. And it's funny just seeing the reactions of guys that don't don't see it that often or aren't used to it yet. So your um your your quick stint at San Diego there, mate, certainly lit lit some fires. That was for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think our our battles with you guys in uh, Seattle. Were, were certainly very, very chatty. But also, surprisingly, Houston. Houston had a couple of Aussies that didn't mind saying yeah. much. Either. Well, then you, throw in, um, then you throw in the South American flavour as well. They're pretty hot. Yeah, mate. I, yeah. Yeah, they're hot, but I can't understand them. Even if they're speaking English, mate, <laughs> I couldn't. You know, I'm already, I'm already tired enough on the field. Being able to interpret an accent is tough for me. So, yeah, I could pick up the Irish um, or bits of it anyway. But, uh, but yeah, no, mate, it was, yeah, it's part of, I think it's part of, it's part of sport. Completely. Well, basically. Yeah. Any edge you can kind yeah, of get. Exactly. Uh, mate, talk to me. Um, obviously, you've probably got the best perspective on all these competitions playing Super Rugby in Japan and the MLR as well. Where do you see the MLR sort of fitting um, within sort of the talent pool? And I guess the other thing, just sort of the atmosphere and sort of the off-field stuff around the sport as well. Well, I think the atmosphere and the off-field stuff's the draw yeah. card. Uh, I think, you know, you, the MLR is never going to... I mean, there'll, there'll always be rumours in America around what blokes are getting paid and who's breaching the, you know, rather rather small salary cap. Um, but you're not going to get guys like Ma there or Bastero, um, Foden, you know, the other guys that are going to come in the future. They're not going to come unless you think out think outside the box um, and, and make things work. And a big attraction for guys like that is the fact that, you know, you're living in New York on, you know, in Manhattan or you're living in San Diego down in Del Mar or Encinitas in these beautiful suburbs and get to experience what living in America is like. Now, um, mate, I absolutely loved it over there. And I think the goal that the MLR has or should have, and I'm pretty sure they do, is really trying to ensure that they they get a World Cup towards the end of 2020 or maybe the start of in the start of the 2030s. Sorry, the end of the 2020s or the start of the 2030s. Uh, I think if they can do that, that kind of gives them a 10 year window to really build the comp up and make it genuinely competitive uh, against other international competitions. I think they're not there. It's not there as a competition yet because you've got guys coming in the back of their careers. I think Mars in his late 30s and, um, you know, other guys have come because perhaps they're looking for something different. You want blokes coming earlier, qualifying for the national team or at least pushing local players to be better so that when they qualify for the national team, they're more prepared for international rugby. And I think, you know, a nice little 10-year, 10, 10 or 11-year block now into 20. 2031, we'll see the MLR grow into something pretty special. Totally agree. I think um, that World Cup topic's an interesting one. I know there's rumours circulating that they're really pushing for that um, in the late 2020s. Um, a guy that you may know, uh, well, the F45 owner, 
Adam Gilchrist, um, who's just owned or bought out the LA team, apparently is pretty ambitious to make that a reality as well, which would be awesome. Yeah, there's a committee yeah. of them. Um, and yeah, I mean that that's all that's all I know yeah. at the moment. But I think uh, I think the thing for world rugby, or something we're certainly seeing at the moment, is that uh, markets just aren't big enough. Some markets just aren't big enough to support uh, to support the game, some of the games, and so we need to expand internationally. Um, you know, obviously. You and I both know what's going on in Australia, but that's a very competitive sporting market where Australian rugby is losing losing the battle at the moment to AFL um, and NRL. And then you also have um, what's going on in England, which is quite interesting. And I was talking to a player from over there who I spent a lot of time playing with who, you know, we're only a month into this um, pandemic and they have to take a 25% pay cut, which is um, ultimately a breach of contract. Yeah. Now, you know, you do what's best for the game, but I would have thought watching the England competition, which I think is the best competition in the world at the moment, the premiership, I would have thought they would have more money in the coffers, but they're still almost living hand to mouth to the point where they have to cut salaries by 25%. So I think, you know, for global rugby as a, as a game, we need to be getting into markets like America. And I think, you know, delivering the World Cup is something that's going to do that for the whole game and help us grow. Um, we saw what it did in Japan, what an, what, an, what an incredible market they are to try to tap into. And so I think, uh, I think yeah, it's going to be really Yeah, important. and that's the exciting part about it. Like the fact that it was such a success in Japan only lends to mm. the opportunity in the States if it ever happens. Yeah, um, that's right. That's right. Mate, best tour experience in the States. Uh, oh, mate, so many. I love New York, but as you know, um, the nature of the MLR at the moment, we had to catch the red eye yeah. back. So we, um, so yeah, I think I ended up just getting drunk at the airport there and watching, downloading an episode, the current episode of Game of Thrones and flying back. Mate, I'd have to say, Nola. It's, they do um, it right down there, don't they? Yeah. Um, We'd had, I think we had a short turnaround and um, I think we had a short turnaround and so we weren't meant to go out, but I'd brought my girlfriend over to NOLA and um, my sister and brother-in-law were there. So I wasn't staying at the hotel. So I think the boys, uh, I think the boys had a quiet night, but I had a pretty rather large one with uh, with family. Walking down, is it Bourbon yeah, Street? Yeah, Bourbon. Had you been drink, there before? Yeah, drink. No, 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 man. I'm done. I'm done. I've done. I think in 2015, I've done New York, Washington, and San Fran and okay. LA. So I'd, I've got a lot, lot of places to check out over there. Um, and so yeah, that was, that was awesome. I had a great, I had a great time there, walking down Bourbon Street, drinking frozen margaritas, um, and everything else that goes along yeah, with it. it was Enough awesome. said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wasn't too much crazy going on from us, but watching the people, like the people, yeah, that's the best part about you, it. You, you almost feel like you should have to pay, you know, like pay an entry fee to the street just to be able to people watch. But, um, but yeah, that's it, it mate. That was unbelievable, and then so many other places. We had a great time in Austin, um, yeah, even Seattle. I was quite surprised. Like I never really wasn't on the radar. I was. I knew going to Nola that I was gonna. It was gonna be a good time. 
but yeah, I was, I was surprised by Seattle. It's a really nice city. Um, so yeah, and mate, there's only more places popping up. You know, you boys go to Boston now. I'd love to check out Boston's sporting capital of yeah. the states. Um, Washington's a great town. So yeah, there's so many great places over there. It, it, it is really the biggest selling point of the competition um, and the teams in the competition. Now, I speak to guys in Australia, um, guys who think they're cowboys like Matty Lucas yeah. and stuff, who are just concrete cowboys who just want to go and play in, you know, go and play in places like Texas or um, or Louisiana. And, you know, these guys just want to live in the deep south and see what it's like. And I think that's the biggest selling point for the competition and why so many people will be will be keen to come over on perhaps a few less dollars than they'd get elsewhere to experience what living in America is yeah, like. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and it's only going to get more, as you said, with three teams expanding and more to come. Mm. So it's been been good fun. Mate, um, 100 yeah. caps for the Tars. How many of those were under checker? I was there the whole three-year tenure yep. check, so 13 to 15. Um, it's funny. It's only three years out of the 10 I was there, but it's certainly, you know, it's the most sort of dominant. I don't know. It feels like he coached me more than half the time he was there, just the way he is, the personality. Yep. Uh, he's just polarising. Um, yeah, so we obviously had a good year in 2014 and then probably choked a little bit in 2015, lost in the preliminary final um, to a good Highlanders team who played a, an excellent game plan against us. Um, but yeah, mate, they were three, three good years, uh, three really fun years, and he was a big part of that. He was, he was an exceptional coach, and um, despite what a lot of people think, he's a great bloke, and uh, yeah, mate, I... Mate, just some of some of the stories you hear from the boys um, that have had anything to do with Checker, you hear nothing but great things. I know, I don't know how truthful this is, but um, one of the stories that stands out the most for me when he did get that Wallabies gig and they went up to the um, mid coast for their first sort of camp. His first protocol was to put all the boys in a room and just throw some cases in there and just get to know each other for about four hours and just hit the beers. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of stuff yeah. you do. I mean, thirteen. I think twenty thirteen at the end of the year, we just missed out on the finals. We had a slow start, and then I think we won six out of the last eight to kind of bring it home. We just missed out on the finals by bonus point or for and against or something. And so, <clears throat> um, yeah, I think for we may may have finished up on the Saturday or something, and he's got us all around. Um, for dinner at his mum's, as you, know, you do the, the next day. Yeah, so we're in this apartment in uh, in Coogee. big apartment, but still thirty big yeah, blokes hilarious. roaming around in it. We've got the we've got the full full Lebanese spread, you know, the tabbouleh <laughs> and the hummus. Mate, it was unreal, and it's just like the, like just Lebanese hospitality, and it's just you know, he's uh, it was all just boys, no partners, and then his mum's there, uh, maybe his brothers and maybe a couple of cousins. I'm not really sure, but like just a few Lebanese blokes making sure everyone's got a beer in their hand and, you know, everyone's well fed and you kind of want to go out and have a big night, but you feel like you half feel like going to sleep after being fed by the Lebanese, man. You know, that feed you so well. That's so good. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's just the kind of, that's just the, the kind of stuff he does, um, which the press seem to struggle to talk about in Australia um, or around the world, even. 
But uh, interestingly, um, particularly sort of last year um, around the World Cup, being in Japan a lot with a lot of Kiwis and the foreign community in Japan, you know, you always, even blokes you've never met before, you tend to have a chat with after games or catch up with if you're out on the beers or just say good day because you know they're playing rugby there. And you'd think that a lot of guys would ask about, well, last year Falau because he went off his, went off about all that stuff or hoops or maybe curtly, like who do they want? But everyone just wants to know about what Czech's really like. And I just found that really interesting. So he, he, he captures a lot of attention from a lot of people around the world and um, yeah, and for good reason. You know, he's, a, he's, a, he's a really good coach and, uh, and he's a really good bloke. Yeah, he so, certainly, um, I mean, he certainly earned his reputation over in Ireland and then to come home and have the success with you boys at the Tars and particularly to do the 2014 Super Rugby title, mate, that must have been an incredible experience. Yeah, mate, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. I mean, I, for people that have experienced stuff like that before, and it's not just at, you know, it doesn't matter what level, but where a team truly comes together and everyone's just doing their role, everyone has a, this ultimate inner belief. It's just something really special. And at the time, you think it's going to go on forever. But it just, you know, unfortunately for most teams, it never does. I think it might feel like that all the time with the Crusaders or the All Blacks, but, or maybe at the Patriots. But, um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it was just an incredible experience. And, mate, there's nothing um, like a party. I was about to say, I'm sure the aftermath of that must have been a, a pretty good one. It was, it was. It's, <clears throat> I don't know, it's kind of like going to a wedding where you, you feel like you start the night and then the night's, almost over because it's just so much good energy yeah. in the room. And literally like the kick went, Bernard kicked the winning kick and we're in the change rooms having a beer. And then it literally feels like we're waking up on Tuesday morning. Like it just, like it was just like, just clicked and it was just gone. You know, it was such, such a good three days. It, it just went so The fast. game, the game was um, Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, right, I, yeah. I, were you guys at the Sheaf on the Sunday? Well, there could have been boys at the Sheaf on yeah. Sunday. Uh, I was at Matt. I was at Bondi. I've been I've been in Bondi for a lot of a lot of my time in Sydney, and I, it takes a crowbar to get me out of what's called the Bondi yeah. bubble. Um, so I was at I was at Bucket List down there by the beach, and then at a place called Anchor Bar, which is a little bar up uh, up up the road. Um, yeah, it was. It was just, yeah, it was a crazy. It was a crazy few days. Well, just the the uh, backlash had... of it as well, though. Like anyone that was sort of associated or or knew anyone in the team as well. Like once circulation got around that the Waratahs boys were at X location or something, it just fucking kicked off. Yeah, yeah, mate. I'll, I'll never forget what we're doing um because you get this weird. <clears throat> it's like uh, in in a place like Sydney. But there's so many athletes per capita. Um, you know, there's like 4 million people and then you've got like however many rugby league teams, so many professional guys walking around that no one really gives a shit who you are unless you're Michael Hooper or Curtly Beal or Bernard Foley. Um, you know, you, you, you're only ever going to get criticised if you're carrying on when you're out drinking or doing something wrong. People... People will pull you up, and that becomes a news story. But you just having your breakfast at a, on a Saturday morning in the eastern suburbs, or 
lower North Shore of Sydney isn't. No one really gives a shit about. But for some reason, when you win, everyone doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) You just, yeah, you've just got a free ride. So, anyway, so we're down at Bucket List, which is a big open bar right on Bondi Beach, one of the best bars in Sydney, as you know. Yeah, I'm sure. uh, Yeah, so we're down there. Anyway, we're doing media. And the boys are like, <laughs> some blokes, you know. You know what it's like. It's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Some of the boys are already pissed. Some have hardly slept. Some are just waking up, you know. And there's guys who have done certain things during the game that wanted to be talked to. Um, I remember Tolu Latu played 50 minutes as a 20 or 21-year-old. So, and he played really well. And um, played really well against Cody Taylor or some... Uh, big Kiwi hooker so he was doing a bit of media and he was sideways and no one really cared but then from nowhere um, people from the Australian Bachelor turned up looking for candidates now these girls would have had no idea who we were but they've just seen a big group of piss blokes and they've come over to us and they're trying to work out oh would anyone like to apply to be the Australian Bachelor and so guys are going you know someone who Someone would say, "Oh, there. My name's Bernard Foley. Here's my phone number." Just would give their would give their name out, or someone else would go, "You know, my name's such and such," and not give their real name, but give someone else's number, someone else's name, and just stitch each other Brilliant. up. And so that was all going on while the media is going on. And oh, man, it was just great. And blokes were stealing each other's cards, buying drinks for the whole team. <laughs> it was just that was probably the probably uh, probably some probably some of the funnest. Funnest few hours of the uh, of the three days after that you can yeah, remember mate, anyway. A... Yeah. yeah, that's right, that's right. Of that I can remember. Mate, how good? Well, let's um. Not next thing I want to talk to you about. Obviously, a lot of downtime at the moment. What have you been doing with your time, and what are you planning on doing over the next couple of months? Yeah, mate. I'm. Uh, well, I, I try to do a bit of work on my Japanese yep. every day. Uh, I don't believe you. A little bit. Go on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I try to do a bit of training, trying to stay fit. It's tough though. I don't know how you're going, but mate, it's just tough to motivate yourself when you're not in a team yeah. environment. Well, mate, at least you've got a bit uh, of space outside. I'm literally in a 1500 square apartment in New York. So, yeah, 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 that's a fair point. Um, so, yeah, so. Um. Yeah, trying to do a bit of that, and then well, man, I'm, I'm up in Tamworth with just my dad, who's actually a doctor up here, so he's kind of oh, wow. on our minds at the, at the moment. So uh, yeah, man, I'm playing, I'm playing housewife as well, doing a lot of the cooking and cleaning and stuff, making sure he's all right. Um, being a drinking partner if he's had a big day at work or any yeah, um, sure any old contacts sweet. from the New South Wales country boys or anyone like that floating around uh there's no one no one is oh there's one, a couple of guys have played professionally from Tamworth but they don't live yeah. here anymore because you've been doing um, a bit of work with New South Wales country rugby haven't you yeah there's a yeah there's like a committee or a like a foundation um uh, started by by the Waratahs to support country rugby out here, and so I've done a fair bit of stuff with them. I was actually going to come up um, for the, there was a game in Tamworth the Tars were playing this year, and I was off. I was off that week in Japan, so I was going to come up and um, just get around get around rugby in the rugby in the country because um, you know rugby in Australia is struggling a little bit, but it's 
it's funny how in the country that doesn't really seem to have it just it's just not felt as hard I mean country people just love playing rugby union and they just love it as a community kind of standpoint and I just find that so interesting man I'm not really you know I grew up in Tamworth but you know I went to boarding school I lived in Sydney for a long time not really from the country I, I you know I don't live off the land don't feel the struggles of drought um, but yeah I just I've been so intrigued my whole career by the sense of community feel at country rugby. So giving back to that by doing a bit of, you know, donating a bit of time and doing a bit of coaching of kids and um, a bit of fundraising at events is something that I, you know, that I really like doing. So, um, so yeah, we haven't been able to do any of that at the moment due to the current lockdown that we're all experiencing, but, and, but yeah, in the future, it's definitely something that I'll stay involved with and, Something that I really enjoy. Mate, that's, that's awesome. Cool. Hopefully there's a couple of guys that'll follow seed off off the back of that as well. Some current players in the Tars or whoever it is, because you know, growing up in the country myself, like those experiences when those guys came up to the country when you were a junior player was the highlight of the year. So Yeah. That's amazing how you yeah. remember them as well. I remember Matt Dunning coming up, George Smith. Mate, it was just huge. Um, and there are boys at the Tars that are still that are doing that really well. There's a guy called uh, Harry Johnson Holmes, yep. who's from uh, who grew up in Cowra, but now lives in New. His parents live in Newcastle. Neb Hennigan's a great ambassador for country country rugby. So there's a guy got guy called Mac Mason. So there's boys around that are really good. Alex Newsom as well plays thirteen and wing for them. So there's that, that current crop of boys are they're a great group of fellas and. Um, they're good, great ambassadors for the game. Man, the girls are really good as well. Hey, that actually. seems to be the captains from Orange. That seems to be the frigging light that's shone over rugby in Australia at the moment. The girls' game. Yeah, mate, it is. It's fantastic. And the the captain of the Wallaroos and the female Waratahs team, Grace Hamilton's from Orange, and she she was a development officer before. You know, she well, she she probably still is to an extent. Um, through her roles as captain of both the teams. But yeah, she's mate, she's a great ambassador for country footy as well. As good, certainly as good as any of the boys. Um, and mate, the Sevens girls are just fantastic ambassadors for the game, the way they carry yeah, themselves completely. and the way they perform. So mate, it's a it's a it's a growing it's a real growing arm of the game. And it's been it's been great yeah, right. to mate, that hundred percent. And hopefully that's I think it's sort of happening over here in the States as well. Like the girls getting a little bit more recognition on the sevens platform as well. So, you know, it's definitely a, an avenue for it, for sure. Yeah, right. Uh, States, they're bloody good at sevens. They've found some great athletes. Um, we were lucky enough, because they're based in San Diego, we'd have a few of them come in and train with us at the Legion. And uh, they're all just absolute yeah. weapons, the sevens blokes. So fit and strong. Yeah, they're specimens. Um, I spoke, yeah, I, was, yeah. I don't know, you kind of see the, the athletes that are developed in football. Um, they make for incredible sevens players and wingers and back rowers over in the States, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, mate, those guys who've spent time in, like, in college football programs are yeah. impressive. <laughs> impressive in the gym, yeah. that's for sure. So, mate, not even, not even a golf course or anything like that at the moment for you. You're just in, inside on that assault bike. I, Mate, they closed them. Yeah. So I dusted off. I've got a set of sticks up here, a set of golf clubs. And I was like, well, at least I'll be able to 
do a little bit of work on my horrendous goal. Not even that. No such nah, no such luck. They've locked them all down up here. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe a little bit of chipping around the yard or something like that. But um but yeah, my my parents have got a pack of dogs, they've got four Labradors. So I probably couldn't even do that without <laughs> hitting one of them. So Start to get great, mate. That so, that assault bike's looking really, really friendly right now. I'm telling you, <laughs> <laughs> they never look friendly, mate. They never look friendly. This assault bike's the worst thing ever invented. Now we had this. Um, we've got this guy. Like you get big Japanese guys, yeah. but they're rare. We've got this one bloke in our team, uh, Hirota, and he's a uh, he's 120 kilo second rower, absolute weapon, and. Uh, but he's really good on the erg and the assault bike and the um, and the and the watt bike. Anyway, we're doing this session, this kind of circuit during preseason, and the boys are going hard, and everyone's tired. But everyone just hated the assault bike. Like you could stomach the erg and stomach the watt bike because you knew, but just the pain that came off this one assault bike. Everyone just absolutely hated the thing. Anyway, Big Harata's got on there and he's going as hard as he can and he's struggling and he's really pushing it. And something must have happened to one of the um, to the thing that connects the foot part of it to the to the arm like to the arm to the pushing part of it. It must have bent or something. Anyway, he's just going so hard and he's broken the bike. And like boys have stopped mid session over the music and over all the shouting of the session. They've heard the assault bike break and just this cheer that's erupted. <laughs> it's just the most, the most, one of the most genuine things I've experienced in the gym. Which were absolutely that's unreal. Pumped. Like for the finish of the Tabata circuit, everyone's just like, no yes. more assault bike. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Anyway, they fixed the body thing. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, for a few months there, it was, it was awesome. The that's so broken. good. Well, mate, yeah, you've got a couple of couple of weeks by the sounds of it to yourself and that thing. So maybe you'll come out of it, buddy, in the back row or something. Who knows? <laughs> and it's not likely, mate. While there's fair, still beer and uh, while there's still beer and food being sold in Tamworth, I reckon I'll be I'll be carrying the uh, carrying the gun of a front rower. What are you going to do for the next few? Well, for the mate, next we, four uh, weeks, what's, mate, what's not you a whole lot to be honest. Um, Obviously, we're we're fortunate in the sense that the MLR is paying out our contracts in full. So, um, yeah, oh, we're, we're lucky good. in that regard. But um, in terms of activities to do, mate, it's a, a puzzle or a bit of Netflix at this stage. Um, have you, have you watched Tiger King yet? Yeah? It was insane. <laughs> I can't believe people like that exist. It's wild. I finished it last night. I went two, yeah, two nights. Yeah, Just how they found – actually, I was um, – I saw it on social media today, but they've actually reopened um, Carol Baskin's murder case off the back of the Netflix series. Yeah, it's no fucking wild. <laughs> Mate, the fact that her brother's in on it and it sounds like her dad got paid out. Yeah. Mate, we could we could start an entire new segment talking about the Tiger King. It's quality. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah. I think people are. I watched it because I'm a big fan of uh, part of my take that it's New York based um, American yep. sports podcast. Anyway, they were reviewing it on last Friday's episode, so I was like, oh, I better watch this before I before I start listening to PMT. Yeah. And again. you don't, you honestly don't know what you do expect going into it, Cole. And it just, yeah. I had no idea, no idea. 
I watched the trailer and then I was just, yeah, oh, mate, blown away. I co- nah. couldn't script it. Like, if you couldn't write something that, that yeah. fucked up and crazy. Jesus, fuck. Well, mate, on that note, let's bloody pull the pin. Thanks. Um, mate, appreciate yeah, the time. Yeah. That was awesome to, to have a chat. Long time overdue. Yeah, no, it was great, mate. I uh, hope to get back to the MLR next year or soon at least and uh, and have a trot around again. That'd be awesome. Mate, take care for the uh, this social distancing experience and, yeah, we'll see you on the other side. Mate. Yeah, mate, all the best.